to another episode of Tactical Edge. I'm Siobhan Cleveland, 4th Air Force Public Affairs. Joining us today is Chief Master Sergeant Timothy White, Senior Enlisted Advisor to Chief of Air Force Reserve and Command Chief Master Sergeant of Air Force Reserve Command. And also with us is 4th Air Force Command Chief Master Sergeant Cynthia Villa. Thank you both so much for being here today. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Siobhan. And thank you, Chief White, for taking the time. Again, uh, I've, I've heard, I know before uh, we were discussing, before we started recording, that you, you were part of 4th Air Force here, uh, and I've heard a lot about you. So thank you so much. I'm glad I finally get to meet you. Awesome. The pleasure's all mine. All right, so we're just going to jump right into it. We have a lot to discuss today. We're going to talk about the future of enlisted development, EPRs, developmental boards, et cetera. Uh, Chief V, I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to you for uh, further discussion of those topics. All right, Siobhan, I got it. Uh, Chief White, first and foremost, thank you so much for, for taking the time to, to join us this, this afternoon. I know you are a busy man. You and General Scobie are definitely uh, busy. So again, once again, thank you very much for taking the time to, uh, to share some, some discussion. Um, as Siobhan brought up, I just kind of wanted to go over a couple of topics that hopefully you can provide perspective, insight, um, you know, our airmen are, are definitely curious and, and want to hear from, from you. So I, I figured what a better opportunity than to have uh, Chief White give us a little insight on a couple of topics. Uh, those insights being, you know, enlisted force development, EFD. Uh, I know Chief Master of the Air Force is working on several initiatives and uh, perhaps a couple of things that you can share with us, uh, along with enlisted evaluation system, What's that going to look like specific to Air Force Reserve Command, the future of our EPRs, and then uh, developmental boards? Uh, I know in the past we had the EAE9DT. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of transitioned to an AFSC-specific development board and the E9 in, in a conjunction with the Command Chief Screening Board. And just overall, Chief White, if you can share, what do you, what do you see as the future uh, for for these uh, for our reserve airmen in these topics and just overall opportunities as a whole. Yeah. Hey. So first of all, Cindy, want to say hey, thank you for uh, for this opportunity. And uh, uh, you know, I got the the invite to join the Fourth uh, Air Force Tactical Edge um, a, a little while ago, and we just just now getting around and making it work. But um, hey, that's just a testament to the amazing uh, things that that you're doing over there at Fourth Air Force. And you know, I uh, I didn't have a uh, have a podcast uh, back when I was in Fourth Air Force, and so definitely know that this is an opportunity to connect with with airmen and get an opportunity to really hear from us. So really, hey, I'm just completely thrilled just uh, just to be able to us to, to to talk in this forum. So when I talk about enlisted force development, it was really something that that uh, that my predecessor, Chief Kelly, was a really a champion of. And if you and if you recall, um, her three priorities or focus areas was leadership, um, development, and, and heritage. So um, just being uh, you know a part of the team when I was down at the NAF and and, and how enlisted force development. Um, um, it was front and, and, and center, really, when I took the seat and just how much that it has evolved until now. Um, interesting enough, things with the REGAF, they are moving 100 miles an hour. And um, right now, I think we asked for an extension just to make sure that we that we get it right. But there's the um, Enlisted Force Development Action Plan that is, is at the... Uh, is that the all of the MADSCOM um, um, DCOMs for CORD, just to make sure for one that the uh, that the uh, that the O's are are in sync to what we're doing, and just to make sure that um, that that we grant them all that information that's that's uh, where we're going to make sure that we don't miss anything, but then more importantly that we have their support. So actually. General, it's actually sitting with General Berger right now. And so what it does is that it gives us kind of an opportunity to weigh in, and especially from a as a MADSCOM, but more importantly, as a component uh, perspective, because enlisted force development impacts ourselves and the Guard differently than it does the, the other MADSCOMs. So one of the other things that, that I'm looking at, at doing, and I've been, been talking with uh, General Berger, having a series of conversations with him, 
is about um, when we talk about listed for its development is actually moving that position um, up here to the Pentagon because again, you you know Chief Blaze and and some of the other folks that uh, um, Chief Castillo that are working in listed force development, and so what I what I found is that unless we got somebody in the room or unless we have somebody at the table, um, sometimes when things are already set in motion and we're and we're brought in after the fact, then um, it 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 causes a little bit more pain than it than it would have if we were just in the in the seat at the beginning. So having that, so having um, our enlisted force development uh, chief um, at the table in the room, so I can get that information um, left of the bank before the decisions are made, is is really going to help us um, tremendously. So um, one of the other things that I'm also looking at is is um, we have one position. Uh, right now, um, geared towards enlisted force development, and that's our enlisted force development chief. Should we have two? Should we have one at the MAGCOM? Should we have one here at the uh, at RE to set alongside our policy folks? Those type of piece, because there's just so many uh, moving parts. Now, and when we talk about um, some of the things that I'm sure everybody's heard about. Um, the blueprint, uh, prepping the line, all those type of things that we really get after first line supervisors. Um, so they're so they're prepped and they're prepared um, sooner rather than later. All of those things come under en enlisted force development. So a lot of changes. There's a bunch of working groups that are that are out there um, right now and. We make sure that um, that we have people that sit on all of those working groups, whether it's EPRs, enlisted force development, you name it, so that we can make sure that um, that our, our input is is gathered and is collected. And I would say that right now, the relationships between the components, myself or the Air Force Reserve, the Guard, and uh, the regular Air Force. I would say it's probably better than than any time I can recall it in in our the, the last few years um, than I that I can recall because um, now um, Regav they they want guard input they want reserve input before they make those decisions because they know the second third order effects if if we don't get it right so yeah a lot of things um, Cindy and I know I share um, a lot of those things um, with with you but I think it's critical that we get that that position uh, moved here so they're in the room with Regaf in the room with the with the Air National Guard to make sure that um, those impacts for the Air Force Reserves are going to be noted up front versus versus after the fact, and I think that that's 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 vital. So you brought up a couple of great points, uh, Chief White, and I'm really excited to to hear that. You know, like you said, having a seat at the at the table makes a huge difference, and I, I appreciate you sharing that. I know in one of the uh, in one of the briefings that we had the opportunity to be a part of with uh, Chief Master on the Air Force. One of the uh, one of the statements that that was made uh, specific to EFD was uh, you know developing enlisted supervisors for the airmen that we need. Uh, what's your take and perspective on that, and how how is that going to work out, or what initiatives are we going to roll out, if you will, within Air Force Reserve Command to make sure that that's the direction that we're heading towards? You know, so so great great point, uh, Cindy. You know that. Um, I think sometimes I uh, it, it can appear that um, that I spend a lot of my attention and, and efforts on the on the senior enlisted, and so I, I firmly believe that if we if we get that piece of it right, if we get the the supervision, the right leaders in place, everything else will kind of trickle down. But but really, it's exactly what you're talking about. My primary concern and focus is on our junior enlisted airmen, and and that frontline supervisor is is critical. You know, so we uh, we we say that uh, that uh, you know our, our airmen are our 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 most valued uh, possession. But take a look at a at a let's let's say a, a, a F-35 aircraft. We'll send you to we'll send you to to uh, to BMT. We'll send you to tech school, and and um, we give you all these tools and and, and 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 things that you need to be successful. We spend hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in getting you and getting you um, schooled and, and prepped for that. 
And then when you get to your home unit, the last thing that we do is, is cut you loose on that weapon system because you know that if, if we don't get it right, things will go wrong and lives are depending on it. But what do we do when it comes to our personnel, again, that we say is our most valued resource, we send you to ALS and we make you a supervisor and then, and then we just turn you loose on, on some airmen and say, hey, he, hey, here you go. Now go lead and, and go fix it. And so what we realize is that um, if we don't do that to a weapon system and if our human capital, our most valued resource, if they truly are our most valued resource, then why would we turn supervisors or why would we turn our young trainees over to a supervisor and we haven't really given them the, the tools to, to be successful? So certainly, I think that um, instead of saying, hey, here you go, you're, you just returned from ALS, now your staff started to hear is nine airmen supervised, I think that we need to walk through that process. And that's a part of, or we need to make sure that we're walking um, young supervisors through that process. And that's a part of the, of the um, prepping the line, uh, the enlisted force uh, development strategy that, uh, that SIMSAF FAST is trying to get after and our and my uh, REGAF uh, match comp counterparts. Because, um, I mean, it's certainly, I can be a supervisor by title, I can be a supervisor um, by rank, but um, if you think about it, if, if some of our young um, supervisors if 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 I don't have the tools or I haven't had the experience, and I mean something simple as a letter of counseling or um, um, speaking to someone just about financial responsibilities, some of those type of things, those things that will be vital to your career. And as a young staff sergeant, hey, guess what? I haven't even I haven't even experienced some of those things myself. So it's going to be hard for me to, I think, to counsel or provide, I would say, counsel recommendation um, experience, and I haven't even experienced them myself. So, hey, let me let me walk through a um, an ACA. Let me walk through a feedback section. Let me let me walk through that with somebody who's done it before, before I employ it to in a situation to where it to where it counts. So we definitely have to, we can't rely on ALS, PME. We can't just rely on those things as our, our, our hey, you got this and you check the box, now go lead. We got to be able to rely on our experience and some of those things that we only get sometimes through trial and error, but we wanna make sure that, um, that we minimize those errors by, by equipping are especially our young supervisors with the tools that's necessary. And after you go through, say what, somewhat of a, a, a apprenticeship and where you can prove that um, you can successfully navigate um, airmen through some of these challenges, then that's perhaps, uh, I would say, the time that we can say that, hey, we can go ahead and, and, and turn you loose on some of our airmen with still some guided supervision. Yeah, that's, that's spot on, Chief, and uh, I think you would agree that emotion intelligence piece, yeah. that human factor of being able to connect with people, because that goes a long ways, and it's definitely game-changing. Ultimately, it's all about setting up our, our supervisors and our subordinates for success. That's, that's what we'd like to do. So really excited about hearing about that. Now, just one, one last point uh, or question, Chief, with regards to EFD. Many of our wings are they're definitely leading initiatives yeah. with you know whether it's with you know PME specific or just uh, just development as a whole in all these areas that you just talked about. Do you see a possibility in the future where again because our, our wings are are being are getting creative, they understand that we're not never going to have enough seats of you name it for whatever course, right? It's just yeah. it just doesn't work that way. We compete with uh with the guard and, and regaf and and that's just the way it is. So we have to get creative, right? Do you yeah. foresee in the future a, an opportunity, a possibility where we are able to give our, our members that are attending these courses that are wing initiatives, giving them full credit so that when they meet these meet these boards, whether it's DT boards or uh, EDB, you name it, we're getting giving them the credit that they deserve for attending these courses. 
Yeah, so uh, so I'll uh, I'll even back up when we talk about being creative. Uh, Cindy, you guys just did one just the uh, just the other day when I I came on. I think uh, it was about a week or so ago, and you put together the first. Uh, and in my opinion, I, I think it might have been the first uh, group senior enlisted leader uh, course that that between you, Tim Cox, and some of the others got together and, and put together. And this was something that, that, um, that, Hey, that guess what? You didn't, you didn't wait on command or you didn't wait on the PDC or, or wait on, on me to, to roll something else. You took the initiative to say, Hey, we have a need and the need is now, and we're going to give, um, these folks, some um, some development. So, um, and when it comes to, uh, I think, resources, competing uh, priorities, there's always going to be competing priorities. And when just from a lack of personnel, at, uh, and, and so the PDC is doing some great things. Um, again, when you talked about some of the seats, whether it's in residence, the EDEB um, courses that we have, I mean, we have such limited resources and limited opportunities. A lot of times people kind of get turned away from it because I would say, or I won't say distracted, but you will get, um, dis it's easy to get discouraged because um, we don't always have those opportunities. So what can we do in the meantime? What can we do to fill that gap in between the time that I go to either NCO, A, senior NCO, all those type of things? This is what you're doing right now is, 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 is one of them. Now, should you get any credit for sitting, sitting uh, to, to, you know, watching, uh, you know, me talk and ramble on for 30 minutes? Probably not. But hopefully um, there's something that I think that um, if it's not anything but just information and those type of things that we can share in, in forms like this that can, that can um, help you um, to be more aware of some of the opportunities that, that were out there, then, of course, we can, we can make a difference. So when it comes to as far as um, you know credit and those type of things, hey, we're constantly uh, we're constantly looking in a way that um, you know how can we how can we uh, do do multiple things as far as if I'm a if I'm a um, say a, a a cop on the outside, um, do I necessarily have to do the firearms training all the time, or I if I have if I'm a nurse on the outside, do I have to um, do X amount of uh, training when I do this at my at my civilian capacity all the time. So even if we start to giving credit to some of those type of things, that will that will free up some of our time to I think to to work on AFSC specific skills um, type of training and initiative. So there are some things that we're already doing when it comes to that. And of course, there's um, some credentialing uh, programs that are that are out there that um, we know that guard and, and, and reservists bring a unique um, skill set that um, that can be applied uh, to the to the outside. So there's credentialing programs um, that go along with with that. Um, Air Force Cool, myself and and, and my counterpart uh, uh, Chief Williams from the Air National Guard, we've been talking to um, A1 just about um, some of those other type of programs that reservists can get um, can get credit for but but I certainly I certainly think that um, that um, uh, there's things that we can do at the at the group level things that we can do at the wing level that we can kind of give I think credit for you know I, I would go back probably up until uh, most recently if uh, we'll say the the um, cheap orientation course that um, we would send you to the chief orientation course or the command chief orientation course. We will send you to the regaf because it's nice for you to for nice for you to go, and we want you to to to, to start the, the relationships and, and type of those type of things. But at the same time, we would still make you attend ours because hey, it was just something that we've always that we've always done. So in speaking with you and, and, and the other NAV uh, command chiefs, hey, we should give people credit for attending a, a, a REGAF course and not make them come back and attend ours just because we've always, we've always done it. So certainly I, I think, um, Cindy, there's a lot of things that, that, that we can do. 
Um, we certainly, we there's certainly not enough opportunities to to go around um, to to um, to award or grant opportunities. So I think what we got to do a better job is identifying what our members bring to the table in their civilian capacities, in their jobs, their training, all those type of things, and recognizing that once we meet these DT boards and, and, and those type of things. So I think um, whether we give them credit for some of the skills that they bring on the outside when we do our own DT process, is, is certainly is certainly one, and then it's also I think the education piece or helping um, whether it's 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 um, hiring officials sometimes our regab counterparts um, recognizing that um, this is a a unique skill set training that we bring from the civilian sector that can be equally applied here, and and I think that um, that we're doing a better job in in that aspect. Thanks, Chief. And, you know, our reserve citizen, Emory, what a better example, you know, the unique skill sets that they bring to the table, to the fight, yeah. and the level of experience, I think you would agree it is second to none, just second yeah. to none, period, <laughs> yeah. really. So I I'm, happy to, I'm happy to hear that. Transitioning uh, slightly here, Chief, with regards to the enlisted evaluation system and, and the upcoming changes, I know the SIMSAF has shared, you know, narrative style moving forward. And uh, I'm just ending the point system. Just curious if you could briefly share your perspective on the way forward, specific to, to reservists on the uh, new or upcoming uh, enlisted evaluation system uh, changes. Yeah, so some of that, so some of that, well, so as far as with the EPR, whether it's going to be the 910 and the, and the 911 and the 912, hey, those are, those will, um, we're, we're going to be lockstep with the changes that, uh, that, uh, that REGAF puts forth. And we also have representatives that sit on those panels or part of those think tanks, working groups to make sure that we share our perspective and how the, how those changes will impact us. So with the narrative form, um, there is going to be some type of narrative form, but there's been, I, I would say there's been some type of uh, misunderstanding when it comes to, to narrative form because their EPRs will not look like a citation, right? So um, we're not going to get to a point to where, um, you, you know, your, your entire EPR is, is a citation. That's not what we're getting at. I think what we're getting at is, Hey, let's make sure that, um, and, and sometimes just in plain English, that um, the EPRs are, um, they have substance, they provide value, and basically they're easy to understand. For so long, and I grew up in that in that system too, and Cindy, you and I, you and I, you know, we sat on, on various boards, AOYs, OAYs, those type of things, and guess what? If it don't contain a semicolon, and it don't contain uh, two dashes, and, and if there's any white spaces in between, then guess what? That's not a, because we were just so, and we were so, uh, that was so much ingrained into our mind that this is what a, is what a EPR needs to, to look at. And the, and, the, and the harder it is to understand and to read, the better it must be, right? And it's sometimes when I, when I sit in, uh, when I sit in the, uh, in, in sometimes in these, in, in meetings and I'm looking at a, Looking at a at a graph and and I can't understand it and I'll, I'll have the courage to say hey can you can you uh you know what is this graph representing and then then you find out that that person I'm asking can't understand it so so what it is is that we got to get away from stump the dummy and just being able to talk in plain English in English and just um so then that way so our airmen are not discouraged to not losing points and values because an EPR doesn't look um, how we've been so conditioned, I think, to, to, to view EPRs. And as far as the, you know, the, the, the point system, some of that may not really pertain to us because um, REGAF, they, they have a formula that's based on, on your last EPR versus, I mean, how many points does that, does that uh, count for uh, when you comes to like testing and all those type of things, because our promotions are based on on vacancies and not uh, not test. So um, that aspect may or may not uh, uh, impact us uh, right now. 
But um, what we do is, uh, what I always want to do is I want to make sure that as, uh, as reservists, as they go up and they compete for positions, hey, you name it, I want to make sure that uh, the EPRs that we sent up, the packages that we sent up, our members are given a equal chance and an equal opportunity because when who's ever the hiring official, when they read an EPR, whether it's a REGAF EPR, a guard, or a reserve EPR, that um, they're looking at one and the they're 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 looking at one and the same. And what I mean by that is that um, so we're on board with all the changes that that REGAF is 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 going to make, and we got to make sure that um, culturally we make sure that um, that 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 we adapt. And you know what is, I mean, you name it, um, EPRs, DT process, enlisted force development, all those type of things, you name it. And um, and sometimes we can be slow to slow to need, and we know that we've been doing things for such a long time, and and and, and change can be hard. But um, hey, if you don't like change, try being irrelevant. And and that's exactly what we will find ourselves if if we don't keep up with the pace of change. So we'll uh, you know we'll keep we'll we'll keep up. The plan is for us to be to be um, lockstep when it when it makes sense, and just with the understanding that um, there's going to be certain variances that may not apply for us, and um, and that's just uh, again a, an, an education piece that that we'll have to have to continuously relay. Yeah, personally, uh, Chief, I know this is one of the things that always said, geez, I, I would like to see something different in the future. And it's yeah. exciting to hear that, you know, we are we're getting there. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're already moving in that direction. And as I get in discussions with, you know, my fellow airmen, my fellow teammates, peers, it's interesting because at the end of the day, I think you would agree, regardless of what uh, EPR system evaluation system that we have in place, Bottom line, there's got to be some integrity to that process. Otherwise, we're going to encounter the same issues. So we have to make sure that, uh, you know, our evaluations are done and completed with integrity and accuracy. Otherwise, we will we will have some some challenges in the future. And, and you know what that so when you talk about so a couple of things with that too, Cindy, is is that what you when you're talking about with that in, with that in, in, you know, with that integrity piece. Um, so the last time so. An airman should never learn um, how he or she is not performing is when it's at an EPR, right? You you should never, or you never should be told that when you come up for a job or an opportunity, and that's the first time that you ever told that, hey, guess what? You're not the right candidate because of X, Y, and Z. But you know, I got an EPR that says, hey, I'm performing ex exceptionally, and I'm I'm knocking it out of the park. But at the same time, you know, nobody has had that convert that conversation. So it's a it's a it's a it's a two way street. And this is where us really as as um, enlisted, especially senior enlisted, when, um, you know, we got to We got to be we got to have those those those, you know, those hard conversations. I would tell you it was part of the culture. Um, for years and writing the, the the EPRs and especially with with enlisted EPRs, unless you're an AGR, you're doing what every two years if you're a traditional reservist. And for years, and I'll I'll be the first one to tell on myself if I had to write an EPR for somebody else or for myself, it's like, hey, when was the feedback conduct um, you know conducted? You say yep, and you and you and you pick a date. And hopefully it fell on the weekend, so it kind of makes sense. But were we really giving people that feedback? Were we really conducting those ACAs, those those um, those airmen assessments, right? So now with the new EPR system, hey, it's going to force you to uh, because all the I mean the proof will be in the pudding. We won't be able to fake it till we make it. You actually going to be able to have to show that you are actually performing feedbacks and you are actually doing, and then there's going to be a mechanism to where you're to where you rate on. They have the ability to also provide feedback on you and to rate on you as well. So there's a lot of concepts, a lot of things that I think that you know once we once this new EPR system um, rolls out, that um, it's it's going to be a lot of changes. But 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 you're right. When it comes to that, um, when it comes to that integrity piece, and again, it's 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 culture. 
you know, I, I, you and I both, um, um, Cindy, especially me, you know, I, I grew up in a culture to where if you weren't, we don't use the term firewall five, but if you weren't actually, you know, far right or firewall five, whatever it is like that, if you weren't, if your EPR didn't reflect that, then hey, guess what? It was something, it was something um, wrong with you or you weren't performing. And then you try to course correct and, and give honest assessment. And then it's it's difficult because culturally we're not there yet. So the only thing that we can do is really just kind of toe the line. And again, you you heard my uh, my spiel on balls and strikes. So now it's just to make sure that um, that as we're giving that feedback and as and, and and we're documenting those things on an EPR that um, you know the integrity goes um, goes goes a long way. And we need to make sure that we're being accurate and honest, really, with uh, with with our assessments. And in two ways, to your point, right, Chief? As a supervisor, you know, am I yeah. doing my, my due diligence and I'm doing right by my team member, my subordinate, to set them up for success? Otherwise, that's unfair. So that integrity piece is both on the subordinate side and on that on the supervisor side. Great, great points. Um, how do you think? Uh, how do you think the uh, the annual chief uh, chief EPRs? Uh, is working for us. And, you know, we heard a lot of noise going back and forth. Some people were on board, some weren't. And uh, I don't want to get too caught up in the conversation on this, yeah. but uh, in your opinion, is 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 that is that working for us? Yeah. So so this year, so 2022. So we'll let me see. So May. Uh, so the Scott in 21 was in May of of that was the last time that we did, um, and that would have been on our normal Scott. So then, so next year, um, we'll go to the Chiefs for every EPR. You know, it's 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 funny. So when I made that change, and especially Cindy, when so think about it. We'll, we'll, we'll talk, and then we got some capable people that that are out here. I mean, we got in the in the reserve. We got the benefit of of having leaders that come from private industry, that come from bring from a lot of uh, a lot of unique skills, but. Um, Sometimes, so when they compete at positions, and the thing is, when you talk about opportunity, City, I had no idea the amount of opportunities that are out there for reservists and really until I got into this seat. So think about how we do EPRs, and we do EPRs for a traditional reservist or an IMA. Other than an AGR, you do them every two years. And I could be a fast burner. I could be knocking it out of the park. And because I am so... Uh, good at my job at what I do, it's it's quite possible that I can compete for a chief assignment, but my life, but depending on how I promote, I can have a EPR as a tech, an EPR as a master, and an EPR as a senior for my last three EPRs, because we're talking about six years now, and then I'm going to compete for a a uh, 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 a position over at the White House or something else that I could be actually um, very qualified for. I mean, I'm going up against chiefs that got their last three EPRs are all chiefs. And so we've, we, you know, we've done ourselves, uh, I, I think, in my opinion, a disservice um, by doing that. You know, when I, um, when I first uh, um, rolled that out and said, hey, we're going to annual EPRs for all chiefs, I had a chief and, and take it, what, what is an EPR for chiefs now? Five bullets, um, five lines. I had, a, I had a chief send me 30 bullets on why it was such a bad idea, that, or 15 bullets on why it was such a bad idea. You gave me three years or three EPRs worth of bullets of why we shouldn't do um, um, something that I think that was, that was um, obvious for us, us to do. And, and, and even that, and and really, Cindy, what it really came down to was and the the argument, and even amongst uh, some some of the some of the the, the people that, that that sit around in, in the enlisted side and 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 help me sometimes make decisions. Some of the arguments were, well, a, a, a you know a chief and a and a UTA. It's only twelve UTAs, and and we don't really do enough to to have a strong EPR. Hey, I can care less if you got a strong EPR. I'm looking for accurate EPR. So if if you're if you're a chief and five bullets on a on an EPR and you can't put together enough data that shows and even if it's on 12 UTAs, 
then then uh, that that what you bring to the fight, then I got a I got some serious questions about that. On top of that, we do officers EPRs regardless of status every single year. So you mean to tell me that there's a second lieutenant that's that's out there? And I love my second lieutenants. Don't don't get me wrong, but we got a second lieutenant, a a first lieutenant, a a captain, and the officers think it's it's important to them to have a a OPR every single year, but we don't we don't do that for chiefs. That just don't you know that just don't pass the 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 test for me. And if you and if you are a chief out there and there's an officer that can can put together how many ever bullets on an OPR that ranks quote unquote a strong EPR and you can't as a as a chief. I gotta kind of wonder how'd you make chief in the in the in the first place. So I am good where where we at. I think um, you know Chief White's or Tim White's opinion. We probably should look at seniors. We should even look at master sergeants. But then again, it's always that balance of um, the the time it takes, UTAs and all those and all those type of things. And we got to take that in consideration. But believe me, I have seen people that um extremely competitive for positions but their records don't reflect that because of the way that we used to do EPRs on a on a biannual basis so i think that's definitely um the right move and then also when it kind of goes back Cindy to when i when i talked about my really focus is on those those junior enlisted that small enlisted core because hey if you're not performing in in the role, and, and if you're not and if you're not um, holding your end of the bargain and taking care of our most valued uh, possession, then then an EPR should should reflect that, and, and leadership needs to be aware of that. And we need to make sure that even though you are a chief, that we're not we're not putting you in a position of greater responsibility because for whatever reason that um, hey you're just not you're just not there yet. So. When we talk about um, hey um, uh, making a making a swap, hey I'd be glad to hey let's let's let let's let uh, second lieutenants or first lieutenants let them go by and if we want to talk about saving some 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 time effort and energy, but um, giving chiefs honest feedback every single year was a was a small was a small um, I think a price to to pay. In, in what we're going to get out of, and that's that's basically a a record of performance, not only for future opportunities, but to make sure that um, that 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 you're you're holding your end of the bargain and how you're performing performing right now. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, uh, Chief, and I've witnessed firsthand the goodness behind that thought process. So, th so thank you for that. And I know we're running out of time. Uh, you and I can can have discussion all day long on all yeah. kinds of uh, good topics. But with regards to uh, DT boards, uh, AFSC specific, but more so on the our, our now our E9 DT uh, command chief screening board, not necessarily just primarily on that, just overall, if you will. Uh, a lot of the feedback that we get, and rightfully so, I, I can't deny it, with regards to vectors. If you can just briefly speak on that, Chief, I, I'd greatly appreciate it. We're, we're here next week. Uh, we're going to be uh, having our uh, E9DT Command Chief Screening Board. Uh, just curious to hear from you. Is that going to change slightly? Do you do you see uh, foresee some changes in the way we're uh, vectoring points, all-encompassing? Yeah. So, uh, so, so, hey, great, great question, Cindy. As a matter of fact, I think we're we're teed up for a meeting uh, next week. As we, you know, as I as I make my way around the command, I, I would say the the feedback that I get the most is on our our DT process. And so we made a couple of changes. And again, uh, we we split the we we split the decoupled the the. We actually we made a couple of changes with the whole DT process. Uh, one was we, we didn't make it mandatory for you to do a then we do it through my vector, but an RADP just to meet the EDEB because there were some people that really weren't interested in in vectoring and or or feedback. They were happy where where they were at the time, but hey, I want a developmental opportunity. So we were kind of like forcing people 
If you want to even be considered for an EDEB opportunity, you had to do a RADP. So we we basically, I think, decoupled that, and that was the was the right um, uh, move to, uh, to do in that in that aspect. So now, if it's just that, hey, you want to look for an opportunity uh, for the uh, EDEB, the the, the Reserve um, Education Development Board, then all you got to do is submit a application just for that. So I think that that was was the right move. The second piece was when we look at our KPL positions and, and out of the 400 some odd KPL, I think that's kind of where we're at. There were really only about four, there were really only about four um, senior positions that were even KPL positions. So we spent an enormous amount of time, effort and energy with our on our seniors having them compete for this process. And there were very lim very limited opportunities. And then it was, uh, I think that, um, and I would I would pull up somebody's EPR and it would say command um, under other achievements, command um, KPL or command those type of things, which is which is awesome. But it just kind of it just kind of gave me a moment of pause and it just kind of shared with me that I think that we that we somehow kind of lost focused. So if you are a senior. Um, the opportunities for you to promote is really going to come, the majority of them is going to come into your career field. And that's where the functional, I, I would think, that's where the functional, I think KPL, that's where the functional DT process is. And I think that that's where that um, actually belonged. And so I'm a, you know, I'm a, a, a pretty hard stickler when it comes to, to some of those um, uh, the boards that I oversee or what, you know, you got to be on the command chief screening board list. If you want to be a command chief, if you, if you are for 90, I'm pretty strict because I'm extremely involved with that process, not a perfect process, but I can stand behind it because of the effort that goes into it. Well, I feel that same way about our functionals. And I definitely wanted to put the onus, the emphasis on the functional communities that, Hey, guess what? You got to be responsible for developing your personnel in your career field. So put the same level of effort and energy in. I wanted um, our seniors to, to, because they were just competing for the command DT and not their own functional in, in certain cases, but your opportunities for promotion are or greater in your functional um, lane. So that was a purpose where I think that um, the reason why we did the split. Now, as far as a, as, a, as a feedback, there are a couple things that I get all the time, and especially it's from arts, right? When we tell arts, hey, tell us, um, you know, to stop, you know, not to move. And, and also, hey, don't, you know, um, why, why are you telling me to go to uh, CLC? So, hey, I heard you loud and clear. So we're going to sit down with the with the board and we're going to talk about um, some cause and I want deliberate I, I want some serious because this is this is the last time for me to get it right and or at least strive to get it right. So my direction has really been and I've had these conversations is that um, hey we're gonna I'm not, if if you're an art and 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 you and um, you know, we're we're not we're going to stop telling arts that they need to to move. Now, there are certainly some opportunities that are out there now that we have AGR opportunities, AGR command opportunities, and certain some of those things. But um, if if I look at and and so I grew up in in obviously uh, Fourth Air Force on the on the on the math side, and if I look at you know all the chiefs that 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 molded me and, and mentored me. Chief Chodzinowski, Potsman, um, McGee, Kirkbride. I mean, I can go on and on. Morrissey. I can go on and on about all of these 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 great chiefs that I still, to this day, if I pick up the phone, I call them chief. Even as even as my seat in the AFRC, and some of these chiefs were, um, I think, retired out at the squadron level. That is the level of impact and the amount of respect that I have for them. For so for me to tell a Chief Morrissey or a Chief um, Prossman or, hey, guess what? You need to you need to move. Um, you know what? What? So us on this DT board, we can give you one more point on your as a as a vector. 
Um, I just I just think that we can do I think that we can do better than that because guess what? If 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 um, if I can lead if I'm not leading in the wing then uh, at my own location here hey I'm not going to be effective someplace else and and vice versa um, I think there's enough movement around the squadrons so that within the wing that you can get uh, enough, I would say, uh, personnel um, changes. Uh, there's enough around that we're not just, I think, just telling people to move just for the sake of it. If we don't have a system in place like they do wing commanders and some of those where you actually pay people to move. But if I got to tell, if somebody tell, hey, Tim White, you need to move and I'm going to I'm gonna upgrade. I'm gonna sell my home. I'm gonna ask my my spouse to give up, um, you know, her job, or I'm gonna take my kids just for a team of chiefs can give me one more point on my DT process. I think that's why people are reluctant or they don't completely buy into it. The other piece is with CLC. Um, stop. So chief leadership course. I made a change this year that um, so with the Regaf chief leadership course. It's a it's a one year that that you and that this is it's it's a it's a requirement for you to attend within one year of becoming a a chief, and and basically it's it's chief one on one. This these are the things that you need to be successful as you enter the seat. What we were doing, I think, is that and and of course we've had these opinions. We would go on a record and we would look at it. We have very few minutes, and I can go in there. It's easy for me to do. Okay, well, you don't have CLC, no senior enlisted joint PME. Hey, let me put these two marks on. Then you get a feedback that says, Hey, attend CLC, complete senior enlisted joint PME, or do this or do that. Consider this. And guess what? I've been a chief for six years, eight years. Well, guess what? Um, sure, there's relationship pieces and, and networking that you can get. But man, if you've been a chief for for eight um, eight years, six years, and I'm still sending you to CLC, and and you still need to go, then guess what? You we probably we owe you better than that. And then also the other piece is is, and I'm gonna jump off my soapbox, Cindy. So you got me started. The other piece is. Um, I spent a lot of time, I think, um, focusing on, um, you know, how we look at ourselves internally, not only internally, um, not not externally, how RegAF looks at us, but how do we look as a as a as a chief, um, and how we value ourselves as as chiefs. So when we talk about CLC, you go to CLC and and you go around the, the 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 room and you're at the table and everybody's giving introductions and and you got seniors in on the RegAF side and they've been a Basically, they're seniors and they're waiting for a line number, a line number, so they haven't even promoted to chief. So you're talking about some seniors. Maybe you may get one or two that have already they were had line numbers of one and two, and they promoted right before the, you know the class started. And then you get around to the reserve piece, and then guess what? I've been a a chief for eight years or seven years, and then it's and and then it's 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 the equivalence of a a regaf chief within their first year and then you got at the same table an air force reserve chief sometimes five six four years that there is a, a equivalency in that so um we're going to stop penalizing folks that if you've already met your gate and because you don't have you know clc or some of those other things that because this is how i was conditioned to what i think is important is to give them some real meaningful vectors. And what that means is, hey, don't tell me to move. Don't tell me to, to take CLC. Hey, tell me about some opportunities that are out there. Hey, I didn't get a chance to go to the, or if you want me to take senior enlisted joint PME, hey, help explain to me how that is going to benefit me or explain or, or help me understand that there's, we got the chiefs group and the chiefs group tracks all the chiefs position across, uh, across, um, Air Force Reserve Command and other opportunities that are outside. Hey, that's what I want a vector to tell me. Tell me about the position at the White House that's opening up because you looked at my experience and you noticed that I got joint experience and you think that I should be good for this. Or, you know, I've got the desire based on my feedback that I put in my RE, in my, my vector that I want to work at the match comp. Well, hey, 
I want to know that when the next match come, um, CEM is rotating out. Is that in my deck of cards? Those are the type of things that I think that we get that we can get, um, you know, better at. We've gotten a lot better as far as um, telling people, hey, congratulations on your most recent deck or congratulations on your current assignment to prove to you that we read your records. That's all fine and dandy, but I think that, um, you know, we can make better use of our time. So this year, uh, we've got a meeting with uh, with the Chiefs group and with our KPL. We're going to have all the, 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 the projected vacancies between now and between the next um, year as this list is going to expire. And then even beyond that, you can have, we can actually look at projected turn dates and give people some meaningful vectors on opportunities that um, that will be eligible for them. So I think, um, and again, you know, we'll factor in human, human error. I think that a lot of times, um, you know, sometimes we sit on these panels, these boards, and it's and it's subjective um, rather than being objective. But we're trying to get that subjective piece out of it, uh, being as objective as possible, giving people some meaningful feedback that um, that they can use. But it's like the lotto, right? You can't win if you don't play. So hey, you got to at least throw your name in the in the in the hat. And um, so certainly, I think that um, that we're going to get we're going to get um, better. We've made some incremental steps along the way, and uh, you know, Cindy, this is this is what I love about uh, about you and and the other NAF command chiefs is that um, you guys give me that 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 feedback, and and um, you know, you 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 share with us what the field is thinking, so we can so we can improve. So I'm I'm hoping we'll go down here what next week, and I think we'll do the uh, the KPL process, command chiefs screening board process, and. Um, I'm hoping the the feedback that we get will be better this year, and um, and in the future we'll just have to keep keep making this making this process better. Good stuff, Chief Y. I'm glad I got you fired up, just like you get us fired up um, more often times than than none. But it's all goodness, right? We're all passionate, and yeah. it's and we just want to do the best we can by our airmen. And uh, like I said, good stuff. We've definitely exceeded our time, Chief. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to, to, to join us for this Tactical Edge. Greatly appreciate uh, General Scobie and your leadership. Uh, definitely honored to serve with, with you all. And uh, again, just can't thank you enough. Siobhan, uh, over to you, uh, Chief White, unless you have any last minute comments. No, hey, just want to say, hey, thanks, uh, Siobhan. And thanks, you know, thanks, Cindy. And uh, you know, I, I sat in the in the in the seat at the uh, at the Fourth Air Force, and um, you you've taken Fourth Air Force to, to heights and and uh, um, far exceeded. I mean, anything that I've that I've done in the in the in the seat. And um, so you know, you got the you got the 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 Tim Whites of the world, and then you got the Cindy Villas, and there's some others that are out there that are doing some some amazing things. So I just really appreciate your leadership uh, down there, and then Siobhan, hey, appreciate what you're what you're doing too, as far as this, uh, you know, this tactical edge. Uh, because hey, guess what? If we don't if we don't share our story, if we don't get out in front of the the narrative, and then somebody else somebody else will. So I just really appreciate uh, appreciate uh, what what you're doing and and um, and, and having me on. Um, thank you for your time, Chief and Chief Via. Did you have any final thoughts? before we ask. Thanks for your kind words, Chief. Uh, you're too kind. <laughs> all right, well, that's it for this episode of Tactical Edge. Remember, you can stream all previous episodes on Apple, Spotify, Dividend, YouTube, and don't forget to follow and subscribe to get the latest and greatest from Fourth Air Force. I'm Siobhan Cleveland. Thanks for listening.